Hey there, I'm Luke Stone. I'm a sixth former from Juno Beach, Florida, and I'm excited to be with you as we hear from some of the wisest and most experienced members of the Woodbury community, past and present. This is Teaching the Tigers. There's no question that Woodbury exists to help boys become the best versions of themselves, but that process doesn't just happen automatically. Behind every Woodbury graduate is a community of teachers, coaches, and mentors that help shape him. The goal of this podcast is to get an alternate perspective of life at Woodbury from the point of view of some of the hardest working members of the community, our faculty. As you may know, One Woodbury, our annual giving day to support the MSI Fund, is on Thursday, June 18th. The MSI Fund supports the school's operating budget and goes toward initiatives like financial aid for deserving students, technology in the classroom, or new equipment for the athletics department. One Woodbury is about reminiscing on the experiences that alumni and friends at the school had in the past and using their support to help secure the school's future. To get a better idea of how the school has changed in recent decades while staying true to core values like honor, moral integrity, and intellectual thoroughness, we'll be concluding this podcast series with Mr. Paul Huber and Mr. John Reimers, two men who need very little introduction for Woodbury boys. Some of you might know him as a French teacher, others as an academic dean, some maybe as an advisor. Mr. Paul Huber graduated from Woodbury in 1968, went off to Yale, and immediately returned to join the faculty in 1972. He's worked at the school ever since. Mr. Huber was kind enough to join me virtually via Zoom back in late May to talk about the different headmasters he's worked for, his experiences as an academic dean, and how he's seen Woodbury change in his five decades on the faculty. My first question for you is, how did you first find out about Woodbury? That's very easy. My father was an alumnus. He graduated in 1940, and my parents gave me a choice of staying at Norfolk Academy, where I went to school through the eighth grade, or going to Woodbury. And Norfolk Academy was a very strong school academically, so I, I was not leaving. Uh, to look for a bigger academic challenge. It was more a question of whether or not I just wanted a new adventure. And I don't remember spending a whole lot of time thinking about it. I just one day decided that I, I would try something new. And when you arrived uh, on campus for the first time, not necessarily as a student, uh, had you visited the campus before attending? I remember that my parents took me by Woodbury when I was probably about 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old. And um, I met a few of the people that uh, my father had known from his days at the school. Uh, trying to, I can't remember, it's, uh, I remember I met Arthur Latham, who was a longtime English teacher. Uh, but I had a chance to see the campus and talk to uh, a few of the uh, people who had been there for a long time. And when you were talking to those people, what were some of your impressions about what Woodbury was like as a place? Um, I'm not sure that I really learned that much about what Woodbury was like uh, just by that visit. I was impressed that uh, these uh, people there remembered my father and that he seemed to have a very good relationship with him. And uh, that uh, struck me, of course. I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't have remembered him because he was uh, not that old at the time. 
but I remember that that was one of the impressions that I had, but I don't think that I learned uh, that much really about the school other than to see the campus. When you graduated from Woodbury in 1968, did you envision yourself coming back to work here one day or did that, was that something that kind of happened more by chance? Uh, I don't remember thinking about that. I think that it's possible that I had in the back of my mind the idea of going into teaching as a career. Uh, but I think that the idea of coming back to Woodbury started forming when I was, uh, during my college years, when I came back to talk about Woodbury teachers who had taught me just to talk to them about teaching and, and so on, and it sort of developed from there. How did you end up graduating from Yale in 1972, and then what was kind of your story with getting back uh, on campus as a teacher in the fall of 1972? Well, um, I think it's hard to be a young teacher just a few years older than the students are. And um, uh, it's a, it was a hard adjustment. I had people on the faculty who uh, really uh, helped me a lot. Uh, uh, Tom Bond and Bob Vasquez were two that uh, were really very, very helpful in my early years of teaching. Uh, but it's, it just took a while to adjust. And those were hard times for the school. Um, it's, um, you're probably aware that in the late, uh, maybe aware that in the late 1960s and early 1970s, uh, there was a lot of turmoil uh, among young people and opposition to the war in Vietnam and a lot of drug use and all of this was part of the Woodbury culture culture at the time and uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, rebellion among young people and it's part of it was political and part of it was associated with the drug culture but all of this I think was part of the mix but anyway, I think it took me a few years to sort of figure out what I was doing and uh, get established. So how did those problems uh, begin subsiding at Woodbury? Who was kind of the driving force behind getting the school back on the right path and guiding it through some of those tumultuous years? Uh, let me just talk a little bit about uh, the, the leadership of the school. When I was a student, the headmaster was Baker Duncan. And he had tremendous energy and he had a hard time delegating. So he was almost the whole administration. He tended to do almost everything himself, but he energized the school. He was six feet five or six, loud, booming voice, uh, almost totally bald and a very, very formidable presence. And uh, discipline was, was pretty strict then. And I was not at Woodbury for his last year, 1969 to 1970, but I heard that things started to change then and loosen up. And um, no drugs on campus, to my knowledge, when I was a student. There were students who were drinking, although I never saw any of them do that, uh, drinking alcohol. Um, 1970, when Baker Duncan left, uh, the trustees brought in as headmaster Charlie Sheeran. He was very, very different from Baker Duncan. He was much more laid back. And uh, they, they, those were difficult times for Woodbury, difficult times for the country. And uh, 
with the drug scene and uh, the discipline became much, much looser. And uh, those were not easy times for Woodbury. 1973, uh, Jerry Cooper became interim headmaster for a year, and he started to restore discipline uh, within the school and to sort of bring the school back a little bit in the direction uh, where it had been before. In 1974, Emmett Wright came in, and he had been a Woodbury faculty member from 1968 to 1970. He led a curriculum study left for four years to be headmaster of Metairie Park in New Orleans, came back as headmaster and um, stayed as headmaster until he retired in 1991. And he restored discipline to the school. It did not happen overnight, but it was a gradual process. He gradually got the, the drug use scene under control and, um, uh, his years were very good ones for the school. He built the endowment. He kept tuition low. Uh, I think that uh, the admissions did well. Academic standards, I think, uh, came uh, probably uh, went up. So those were very, very stable years for the school. Do you want me to talk about my move to the position of academic dean? Uh, yes, sure. Uh, in February of 1980, I got a note in my faculty box from the master secretary, and it said C-E-W-W ASAP, and that's the initials of Emmett Wright. And my first thought was I probably had done something wrong and thought I might be in trouble. But anyway, I went into his office, and he said, I would like to appoint you to the position of Dean of the Faculty. And that was a title he gave it, but the position was commonly referred to as Academic Dean. And I was a few months short of my 30th birthday and never been in any administrative position. So I said, I can't believe that you think I'm qualified for such a position. <laughs> And his immediate response was, I can't believe that anybody could be more qualified than you are. <laughs> You're an alumnus of the school, and you have been teaching here for eight years. So he said, I, I will give you a chance to think about it, but I didn't take any time to think about it. I accepted on the spot and um, stayed in the position for 16 years, and I taught two classes throughout those years. And through most of those years, I coached the third level soccer team uh, in the fall, which was called Junior Orange. And we had very, very few administrators. Therefore, the job, uh, the, the workload kept increasing. And it's, we worked very hard in those days because the faculty was much smaller than it is now. Uh, but anyway, I uh, accepted that position and uh, and the workload increased and the job grew and I took over doing the scheduling and course sign up and all kinds of things. And it, it was a position which is now split between academic dean and dean of the faculty. Uh, so I continued in that up to 1996 
Emmett Wright um, retired in 1991. John Brinnells became headmaster. I stayed in that role for five years. For the last three years, he gave me uh, the additional title of associate headmaster, although my responsibilities remain pretty much the same. And then I decided that I wanted to go back to full-time teaching, 1996. And then all of a sudden, uh, and I think it was April of 2018, Dr. Halsey came over to my classroom and he said, I want to talk to you about the last chapter of your Woodbury career. <laughs> what that turned out to mean was that he uh, uh, wanted to talk to me about going back in the position of academic dean, which, as I said, is somewhat different now from it used the way it used to be. And um, I expressed interest, but we didn't make any decision. He wanted me to talk with a number of people in the administration, uh, but that came out of the blue. And um, it, it was really surprising that he made that offer at my age and surprising that I accepted it at that age, but it's but it's it was a new challenge, and that was part of the appeal. And it's a position that gives me a chance of working very closely with the students, which I think is the most fun part of being a faculty faculty member at Woodbury. What was it like trying to balance your roles as an administrator and as academic dean with um, coaching and teaching at the same time? Um, I would say that in the 1980s, uh, I was teaching French and I, for the most part, taught juniors and seniors and juniors and seniors don't need as much consultation time as third and fourth formers. So I didn't feel the need to be as available for consultation. So I think that that is part of it. But I think part of it was I was young in those days and had the energy to work extremely hard. So I just worked very, very hard and somehow got it all done by careful planning so that I would work ahead uh, at those times of the years when I didn't feel overwhelmed so that when I got to really heavy time in the year uh, that I could manage it. And of course, I just did a lot of planning and work during the summer. You talked about uh, Baker Duncan, Charlie Sheeran, and Emmett Wright, uh, and touched briefly on, on General Grinnells, but the last three headmasters you've served under, particularly General Grinnells, Dr. Campbell, and Dr. Holsey, how have they differed from each other and what have been kind of their main contributions to the school from your perspective as a faculty member? I am very reluctant uh, to talk about um, headmasters that are still living but I'll just say that they have, each has his own personality and his own personal style. And um, Dr. Halsey will tell you that he's basically introverted. I'm introverted too. Um, Emmett Wright and John Grinnells were both introverted. I think Dr. Campbell is, uh, is pretty extroverted. And uh, so their difference in personal style there. And um, John Grinnells had retired from the Marine Corps and had two sons who came to Woodbury and he wanted to be headmaster because his sons had had such a great experience at Woodbury. And uh, 
I think that he carried on things much in, in the mold uh, of Emmett Wright, although he had his own personal style. And I think that um, uh, Dennis Campbell, pretty much uh, his son had been a Woodbury graduate. So I think uh, that the fact that his son had had a good experience uh, was one of the reasons why it was appealing for him to come to Woodbury. Had met the, the trustees originally hired him for one year, and they, then they talked him into staying. Uh, but I think that it, it's, I would not say that there were any, uh, any huge changes, uh, because I think that he had a lot of confidence in the way that the school was. Um, Dr. Halsey has introduced some new initiatives, such as a new schedule and uh, uh, alter the yearly calendar some and uh, uh, slightly different structure to the administration and so on. But I think all of these men believe in the values of Woodbury and the honor system and uh, the importance of building character and all of these types of things. So I think it's largely a question of differences in personal style and personality. How would you say the school as a whole has changed from uh, the time that you were a student to the uh, to 2020? Um, I would say uh, that we have a very, very strong faculty now and there were great teachers in the old days, but I would say there's more evenness in the quality of the faculty now. Um, I would say that there's a lot more diversity in the student body and to some extent in the faculty. Uh, technology has changed a lot. I would say that we offer more programs, more sports, more extracurricular activities. Uh, the curriculum has been expanded. Uh, in the, in the, when I was a student, the only choices in the fall were cross-country and football, no soccer or anything else, for example. Um, the, in the 1980s, the AP program was a big thing. Emmett Wright had been the head of the American History AP Committee, and he was interested in advanced placement. So at one time, I think we we're teaching maybe about 17 different AP courses, and then now uh, the AP program has been de-emphasized. Uh, I would say that the school has gone back and forth between what I would call a meat and potatoes curriculum, where you just say four years of English, four years of math, four years of language, four years of history, four years of science, as opposed to having a lot of electives. And there was a period in the 1970s when the idea was we need to be creative and have a lot of electives. And then the colleges were telling us that they wanted us to go back to the basics. So we went back to the basics. And to a large extent, we had have kept that with heavy graduation requirements in the major disciplines. But uh, under Dr. Halsey, there's been a little bit more diversity. For example, all of these different uh, junior and senior history electives, the science department is offering more choices and, and so on. And 
Same is true of, of senior English uh, and so on. So I would say that that is one change. Um, back when I was a student, the average student took four courses. Strongest students could take four and a half or five. And then five courses became the normal load in the 1970s and 1980s. And then uh, in more recent years, it's, the students have been in a position of having to take six courses part of the time to satisfy graduation requirements. And there are times when a student takes seven courses, as you know. So students are taking more courses but as a result of that, uh, the workload in each individual course, I don't think is as heavy as it used to be. And I don't think it can be because students are taking so many more courses. Uh, athletic schedules are heavier, more extracurricular opportunities. So I think the students are very, very busy and doesn't make a whole lot of sense to compare the rigor of a course ta taught now with the rigor in the 1960s or 1970s because I think students are doing more uh, and therefore it, it's uh, I don't require as much as I did when I first started teaching at Woodbury I don't cover as much material but I think that it's uh, you just can't do that because students are so busy these days terms of discipline, when I was a student under Baker Duncan, things were pretty strict in terms of little things like being uh, uh, on dorm when the bell rings and uh, things loosened up a bit in the 1970s, became a little bit stricter in the 1980s. Uh, I would say now it's I'm not sure that we have gone back to being as strict as things were in the 1960s yet. I think that we on the faculty give an enormous number of demerits and I think we give too many demerits. I think we hassle students too much about little things where it would work just as well to give a student a warning instead of demerits. So I'm not a big fan of demerits. And uh, Emmett Wright, when he said master, once said demerits are not the answer. And I don't think demerits are the best answer to discipline. Yet on the other hand, uh, I think if you don't have them, there's some students who would not get up and go to class. So I think demerits are necessary, but uh, it's, I don't, it, it, in some ways, things are not really that lax these days because uh, all of these demerits are given. But I think there's been fluctuations in the way that discipline has been administered at, at Woodbury over the year years. Um, I think that it's slight fluctuations under each headmaster with the way that each headmaster has viewed uh, the honor system, but the honor system I think has remained pretty uh, steady and consistent over the years. One of the things that changed in the late 1970s is Emmett Wright imposed uh, what is referred to as the no second chance policy on drugs and alcohol. So if a student is caught drinking or using drugs, he starts packing his bags because he knows it's gonna be automatic dismissal. 
That was not true in the early 1970s and the mid-1970s. But I think that once uh, that policy was put into effect, it reduced attrition and it created a happier student body. Because if you say first time you get put on probation, you get a second chance, then students don't take the rule seriously until they have violated it once and gotten put on probation. Uh, in terms of, I think that each generation of students is a little bit different. And I think that uh, these days students are probably nicer than they have been at any time that I've been working at Woodbury. And I just think that we got a lot of really, really nice boys here. Uh, and they're fun to work with. And that's been true to a large extent over the years, but I think it's truer now than, uh, than ever before. What piece of advice would you give to a new faculty member about how to have a really successful and meaningful tenure at Woodbury? I think the advice that I would give and that I have given to teaching candidates that I've interviewed is that um, life here is very intense and the faculty members who thrive here and stay for a long time are the ones who are willing to be very, very devoted to the job, to put a lot of time into it, to, to spend a lot of time developing relationships with students, willing to work very, very hard and essentially be committed to the job 24 hours a day for nine months of the year. It's not like a day school where teachers are more likely to have more of a life off campus, uh, but the nature of Woodbury is such that it just requires this big commitment. And if you're not willing to do that wholeheartedly, you're probably not going to enjoy the job very much here. So I think the faculty members who have stayed a long time are ones by and large that have been willing to make that uh, total commitment. Why have you chosen to stay for so long? Well, I have often said that there's no better t place to teach than Woodbury. And uh, the reason for that, first of all, the students are fun to work with. The students are very nice. And uh, to explain why Woodbury is the best place to teach, that would involve getting into a lot of intangibles but I think the school has had pretty stable leadership over the years. Uh, it's a school that uh, has uh, remained strong in terms of its values like honor and character building and all of these things that Woodbury people believe in so much. Uh, it's a school that in many ways has become stronger and stronger through a larger endowment wise financial decisions, Emmett Wright kept tuition low for many years. And I think that that allowed the school to build a large endowment and to create tremendous financial strength and to be able to offer a lot. I think I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, my colleagues over the years and have made good friends on the faculty. Uh, I think that I have been given new challenges when Emmett Wright uh, asked me to to be the academic dean. So uh, that was a big challenge. Uh, and then it's uh, 
I've always taught French, but I had the opportunity to teach some other things, a little bit of Japanese many years ago. I just filled in when the need was there. When I taught Spanish one for 10 years, then I taught Latin one for 11 years. I did this largely because the need was there and I just jumped on the opportunity to do something new. And I think having the opportunity to do something new uh, keeps people uh, fresh and challenged. And then the opportunity to go back into the academic dean position was a new challenge. So I think that having new challenges, having the job change over the years in, in different ways, uh, but I think that it's um, working with the students is the part of it that is most fun, uh, but it's also an intellectual challenge, which is fun. And over the course of 48 years, I've developed relationships with so many alumni and that is also fun to see alumni who come back and stay in touch with alumni by email and uh, hear from alumni sometimes after 20 or 30 or 40 years uh, I, I uh, reconnect with an alumnus. Uh, I did uh, just a couple days ago with an alumnus in the class of 88 who uh, ran into a Woodbury student, actually one who had been uh, dismissed, but that he was walking his dog and they connected with each other and uh, talked for an hour about Woodbury. And uh, uh, and I had been connected with the student and I reconnected with the alumnus. And it's, uh, but I think being part of this Woodbury, big Woodbury community and having uh, uh, overlapped with thousands of Woodbury alumni and seeing them for reunions and uh, hearing from them, getting emails and letters from them uh, about how much they value their Woodbury experience. It's very, very fulfilling.